0: So have you ever had the bottom drop out in your life, like a pivotal moment where everything just seems to get decimated? You know, like you walk in on a partner having an affair or you go to work one day and get a pink slip. One of those really big events that just cuts you at your knees Well, if that's ever happened to you, and especially if that's ever happened to you in midlife, then you are going to love today's podcast. We are going to talk all about how do you come back from something like that? And more than that, how do you grow out of that better? How do you become a version of you that you enjoy even more and are even prouder of? Because it's totally possible to do. So... No further ado, why don't we jump into this podcast? You're listening to Straight from the Psychologist's Mouth, a podcast that teaches women in midlife to unapologetically stop silencing their dreams and start designing the lives they want to I'm your host, Dr. Natalie, and as a clinical psychologist of the last two decades and a twice-divorced single mother myself, I not only know how hard it can feel heading into midlife, I am living it right here with you. I have taken all the many failed attempts and lessons learned in my own life and combine it with my extensive clinical experience to give you the tools you need to make midlife the best time in your life. No joke. So let's get started. Welcome back, everybody. I am so excited to talk about this subject today. It is literally one of my favorite subjects. It is one of the freebies that I always make sure that I have available at all times. We are going to talk about how community is such an essential piece to coming back from something that's really difficult. And it is going to surprise you how that happens, like why that happens, what's the neurobiology of why that happens, what is it that really helps us to to pull through after something like that. And more than pull through, like get better, right? So let's start with, I want you right now, right this minute to go to learntoloveyourstory.com and click on free group coaching right this second. That is where I want you to be. Once you're signed up for that, you will get an email where you are enrolled already in our free group community. This is an online community of women in midlife, trying their darndest to evolve and become the best version of themselves, design the lives they really actually want to be living and not ones that, you know, up until this point, they thought they were doing the right thing, but it really just wasn't bringing them joy. Right. So I want you to go right now learn to love your story.com. And I want you to sign up for free group coaching so that you can also be part of my online community. So we have our online community in the course room where you're going to see videos of me and get a workbook and all of that fun stuff that kind of teaches you how to design the life that you want to live. But you also get to be in a private online community, both there and in a Facebook group. So you can be talking with one another all the time, lifting each other up, sharing what's not going so well, hearing from others. And you can facilitate kind of one of the biggest ways that you resource yourself during a time when you feel like you've gotten cut off at the knees and truth be told this is helpful even when you're just feeling stuck or you're you know just starting to have some dissatisfaction in what you're doing in your life and you know you need to move but you just don't seem to know how you're gonna do it right (laughs) okay so, now that you've gone to learntoloveyourstory.com, you've signed up for our free group coaching, and you're ready to hear about how community helps you transcend and become a version of yourself that you really enjoy, even through the worst of times, let's get started. So, I want to tell you a little story, and it's one of my favorites about my life. Now, this wasn't something that occurred during midlife, but it's such a great example of what I'm going to be talking about today. So I thought I would just start there. So I was about 28 years old. I had an infant. It was my first kid, my oldest. Um And I was struggling in my marriage. And we decided by the time my kiddo was, I think, about six months old that we were going to separate. So I had moved out. Um, I was living with family. I was living with my sister and her partner um, and their son and, um, trying to figure things out because I had just finished my master's, but I was still enrolled in a doctoral program. I wasn't making any money. I was spending a lot of money, but I wasn't making any money. Um, so I was not in a place to like, oh, let me separate and I'll just, you know, pick myself up by my bootstraps. That was not going to happen. Um, and you know, I wasn't, I, I knew that things in the, the relationship, Um, weren't going well, that, you know, my partner, my ex-husband was not You know, totally invested in wanting to be with me. We had met really young. We were kind of heading into that 30 something age. And you do kind of settle into a new adult version of yourself. And so I think, you know, we just married early. And of course, we had a kiddo. And so we tried to stick it out, but we really just were wanting different things. And I knew that that's where we were at. That's why I moved out. That's why I, you know, thought, okay, we're going to start this, this plan of separation. But when you start something like that, you're kind of thinking there will be like an end and then everybody will start over, right? Like we'll, we'll get through the divorce proceedings. We'll, we'll sign paperwork. We'll sell that house. And then we'll start our lives, right? So we're in that in-between in time. At least that's how my mind worked. And I got to tell you, I've worked with lots of clients that felt very similar to that in circumstances where they were separated. It's like you're in this in-between time. Uh, it's the it's the famous Ross and Rachel debate that, well, we were on a break. Yes, but in the break. Nobody's supposed to be doing anything in the break, right? So this is where I'm at. I'm poised in this little place. You know, I'm barely holding myself together day to day if I'm being real honest. But I'm trying. I'm doing my best. And I was driving down the highway. And this is back when we had, because I grew up, as my kids say, in the 1900s. So this is late 90s. And oh, no, actually early 2000s, but similar. So we still had a home phone, right? What? who has that? So I was calling in cause I called in once a day just to check messages and make sure that, you know, there wasn't any voicemails for me. And I was listening to the voicemails driving. And I heard a voicemail that said something to the effect of, uh, you know, Mr. So-and-so and Ms. So-and-so, not my name, another Ms. The Mr. was my ex-husband. Um, your tickets are you know, booked for such and such, and you'll be leaving on this time. So it was a, basically a travel agent confirming a trip that my ex-husband was going to be taking with another woman. Okay. So I lost my shit (laughs) to be honest. I completely had a meltdown while driving. Um, and the first thing that I could think to do was to call my sister who I was living with. And so I called her up And, um, she was like, where are you? And I said, I have no idea where I am. I was heading towards your house. And her house was like, I swear, we used to pack a lunch to go visit her. Like it was way outside the city. So it wasn't where I normally lived in the metro area. And so I'm like, I don't know where I am. And she's like, well, I want you to exit. I want you to stop. Um, and so I exited, but then I just kept like driving and talking. And she's like, I want you to actually stop the car. I need you to stop the car. So I finally pulled into this like park on the side of a lake, which is not uncommon in Minnesota. Those are like everywhere. This is the middle of the summer, by the way, um, late summer. And I sat down on the grass with my infant in his car seat and bald. And she tried to figure out from what I told her of where I had pulled off. And I think I took a right and a right, and that I just kept wandering. And now I'm at this park. She and her partner and separately, because they were both at work and came from separate directions, found where I was. Now it took like a while for them to figure this out because I was a puddle. Um, And what seemed like five minutes of crying to me was just hours and hours and hours of crying, like sitting on the side of the road, people looking at me like, what is wrong with that lady? Um, She's sitting here with this infant bawling her head out. What is happening? So these two ladies, my sister and her partner found me and they just came and sat with me. And held me and told me it was going to be okay and said it really sucked and that this is all part of what's happening. And I'm still making the right choices, even though they feel really crummy. And I know that you didn't expect this. And what would you want? Like, if we could do something for you, what would you want right now? That's what they kept kind of saying back to me, saying back to me, saying back to me. And I, I looked at my sister and I said, I really want to be out of that house. So he was living in the house. I was living with her and all of our stuff was in the house. Right. And I'm like, I'm sure she's coming over. I'm, you know, like, I'm not stupid. (laughs) I know how this all works. Um, and I want my things out of that house, but I have no idea how I'm going to do that. I have no money to my name in order to, you know, create, that from, you know, like moving and packing and all, I had nothing. Right. But I said, I really just want my things to be out of there so that I can start over. Like for some reason in my mind, I thought, well, if I have my things, then my son and I are starting over and we'll figure this out like step at a time. But then I'm totally separated from this ex-husband of mine and he can go start his life elsewhere. And I don't have to feel like my things are witnessing that, if that makes sense. I know, probably doesn't make sense. It didn't really, I was a a wreck. (laughs) It really didn't make sense at the time. And my sister and her partner looked at each other and they said, okay, let's get started. And I was like, okay, let's get started. Like maybe by, I, I think this was like the middle of the week even. And so I'm like, well, maybe by the weekend we'll be able to figure this out. Um, and I think my sister stood with me, and my partner, wa- or her partner, walked away. Um, my sister was still talking to me, and I saw um, her partner on the phone, and she was, you know, talking to somebody. I didn't know who she was talking about, to or two. And she came back and she said, "Okay, well, I've got about five people, and they're calling other people, and so hopefully we'll get people to meet us at the house." And she said, "So I think what we should do from here." Is we're gonna leave Natalie's car here. <laughs> and I think, you know, all you know, you drive with me. They were close to the house. You drive with me. We'll drop off one of our cars and we're gonna go pick up um, a, a U haul. So that's what we did. And like, I was in a daze. Like, <laughs> like I was either fluctuating from anger to absolute bawling in a mess to numbness and not really knowing what was happening. So what ends up happening is by the end of this evening, and I am telling you, like this was late afternoon. I called them home from work. They found me. They found people. Those people found people. And we were like at dusk walking into my home um, because, oh, by the way, he was on the trip. That was the confirmation I heard was like their trip had left that morning. So we were in that house. You were packing and do like, I was wandering around this house. I don't think I packed anything. Um, I might've answered some questions, but I was wandering around that house watching 20 some people wrap around me and my son in love and say, Hey, on a Wednesday night, when I probably had 500 other things to do, I dropped everything and I came and I took care to make sure that these things were out of this house in a safe place. Oh my gosh, I'm getting teary even thinking about it. So this was monumental to me. It was such a significant sign that I was going to be okay that my entire world had not ended, but an entire part of it that had been very important to me had ended. And that what I could count on is even in the middle of the week, um, reaching out to one person, I could create a whole community of people to wrap around me and take care of me if I needed it. And I have to tell you that knowing you have that kind of army behind you is a pretty empowering feeling. It's also a pretty humbling feeling. You know, this is literally, I was at my worst up until that point. I was literally at my worst. I had never been down in in the way that I was that night. And I just let people take care of me. I had to check my ego at that door, <laughs> I walked in, saw a bunch of people that had brought a bunch of boxes from liquor stores and <laughs> wherever they had found them and they were packing. And these were like, this was, my parents were still alive at the time. So my parents were there. There were friends of my parents. There were friends of um, my sister's partner's family came and their friends came. Like it was Totally amazing. My best friend and her husband and they lived totally like outside the city as well. So their like drive must have been hours to get there, at least an hour to get there. Everybody was there. And everybody was taking care of it. And nobody was asking me to do anything. And they were just wrapping around me and taking care. They did the one thing that I thought was going to help me. I want my things out of that house. And I will tell you from the moment that I sat my butt on the grass in a park that I could not have told you where I was um, until I drove that U-Haul out was a span of about six hours. In six hours, an entire two and a half bedroom house was totally packed up. Basically. I left him, you know, chair and his television and bedroom stuff. And I mean, like, I I didn't like decimate the place. I wasn't be trying to be unkind, but I did (laughs) take all of my things and I went. (laughs) So this is what they did. And I have to tell you, it was an amazing pivotal moment in my life where I learned that it doesn't always matter where my psyche is at if I have a connection to a community that will wrap itself around me. Now, I also have accessed that very same kind of community around me to help me through things since that time because it opened up this window of I would have been that person if somebody called me on a Wednesday night and said so-and-so just found out that her ex is, you know, going out with somebody and <laughs> she didn't know that they were on a break. It was a break, but they didn't know. She didn't know. Anyway, like I'd have been there. I'd have been there. Toot sweet, I would have been there. So the fact that I had this entire posse of people come to my aid really just showed me that you do have a way to get through these really difficult moments in your life, even if you can't tap into it on the inside, even if on the inside you've hit way beyond your limit, there is another way as humans that we pull ourselves through and it's by, you know, having others pull us through that. Now you have to lose ego. You have to have that humbleness. I have, um, a family history of, you know, enough trauma (laughs) that one of my, uh, trauma responses is to be really hyper independent. why right? right? And it's it's really benefited me most of my life. There's only a few places where it gets in the way and it would have gotten in the way that night, but I really was so broken that I couldn't have st- I've, there you know I wouldn't have stopped it. I couldn't have stopped it. So here's what I want you to be thinking about. Why does community do that for us? Why is it? That just knowing, because you don't have to necessarily access it, but just knowing you have a community of people that are willing to drop things, that are willing to come to your aid, why is it that that is so significant to us? Well, back on the savannah, where all human beings started, (laughs) uh, somewhere in Central Africa is, is what they believe millennia ago, back on the savannah we started to realize that we were not the strongest or the most terrifying beasts in the animal kingdom. And if we wanted to be able to survive, that we were going to have to survive as a group. Because if you were isolated, you were more vulnerable. But if you were with the group, we were smarter in the group because we had more thoughts, you know, more ideas. We were more protected in the group because the group kind of became a big thing and bigger than the other animals in the animal kingdom. So, This is biologically wired into us, so like from the beginning, so many millennia ago, that it is like almost etched in stone in our DNA in a way that's like you're not gonna kick it in a you're not gonna kick it in a generation. You're not gonna kick it in your lifetime. If we were gonna start changing that evolutionarily uh, moving forward, it would take probably about 14 generations before this kind of evolved out of us. And it won't because th- it still stands today that we do better in belonging in a community than we do vulnerably out there independent on our own. Okay. So we know that it's biologically wired and we know that the, that the wiring is facilitated in a moment like that with lots of oxytocin okay and i've talked about oxytocin before but let me just kind of go through that again so oxy there's four chemicals in our body that are feel good chemicals that our body creates for us uh, serotonin dopamine endorphins and oxytocin now oxytocin is the chemical that releases when we fall in love when we feel loved by people when we feel connected and when i was in an utter spiral of all the kinds of chemicals in your body that make you feel crummy like adrenaline and cortisol and you know didn't couldn't see any hope i couldn't see my way out of a, uh, the park i didn't know where i was <laughs> so clearly not being able to 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 use any of those other chemicals that would have helped me creatively transcend through this the thing that broke through is oxytocin. And as it builds in our body, we start to build up our internal reserves or internal resources over time. You know, as I walked around that house, what was I doing? I was creating a new map in my brain that tells me There will never be a time, there's never anything I can do, there's never a place that's so bad that I will be, that I do not have a community of people that I could access. They don't even have to directly know me, necessarily, because I had people in that house that I had never met before because they were friends of friends or friends of family. So... This is a new, you know, resource inside of me. Now it's inside of me to access out of outside of me, but prior to that, I didn't have that. Like I wasn't sitting on the side of the road, you know, calling my five people and heading over to U Haul. I was a mess and I needed somebody to do that. But since then, I can be the person that sits on the side of the road and calls the five people and goes to U Haul. And I know. That this is what's going to transcend me through this. I know that this is going to verify and validate and help me know that I am loved, that I am worthy of that love. I know it's humbling to be in a position like that, but you really feel the worthiness because if you're at your worst and people are loving you, loving on you the most, like no other explanation, right? Like I don't earn this love because I am in a horrible space doing. Nothing for no one, including myself at this point. And all these people are here to take care of me and my son. All of these people came because I asked to have my things come out of this house. That's it. Right? so that oxytocin is going i'm making new maps in my head that create more internal resources so i'm starting to realize i access external resources when my resources are gone and that particular bridge my friends is a hugely important bridge to break through now if you are somebody that has any kind of trauma in your past or the event that decimates you is a traumatic event One of the trauma responses, as I said earlier in this podcast, can be that you want to be hyper independent, that you want to go out and do the things on your own. And this is the time where that won't work. And so if it's all you're trying to do, you will get in a hopeless, helpless cycle quite quickly. So by building this bridge up, inside me creating this new map and knowing there is a point at which I have nothing left and I have to access outside of me. Hopefully I start learning over time to access it earlier and earlier, but I have to access it outside of me. And that lifts me up so that I get better so that I can start to use my other neurochemicals, endorphins and dopamine and serotonin and get creative and figure out how to make myself a new person, how to come out of this a better version of myself, how to learn through my struggle and transcend the struggle by, you know, really improving in my character, which over time is exactly what I did, exactly what I did, right? So I tell you this because I think that we as women in midlife get really isolated in our beliefs that we are the only ones experiencing what we're experiencing that we don't have anybody that we could talk to because we all like many of us will even say, I feel guilty feeling this way. I have a good life. What the heck am I complaining about? Right? Have you said that? Have you thought that? I'm sure you have. So we don't want to reach out and we're still in that hyper independence phase. I promise you that is by design. So this human caretaker giver syndrome, um, whatever you want to call this kind of codependent way that we we tell women that their worthiness comes from how well they take care of everybody else, not themselves, but everybody else in their life, right? Uh, Well, if that's where we are, then, by design, we are going to tell ourselves the story that we can't do, we, we can't ask for help. We have to do this on our own. Or we're, you know, the next step is our brain goes, well, we must be the only one experiencing this because look at all those other people. They're doing okay. And I, I don't think they are. I don't think anybody's doing okay since COVID, if I'm being real with you. Our mental health has tanked uh, and a lot of us are not coming back from it well. But for women in midlife, I do think that when you're empty nesting, or when you wake up one morning and you realize you haven't put anything into your marriage for 20 years, and so is this person going to want to stay with you? Do you want to stay with them? Uh, Oh, my gosh. Like, when you wake up and start to realize that your entire life has changed significantly in a very short period of time. And that is what midlife transition can do for us. <laughs> you know, you go to work and you thought, well, I'm the marketing lady that always came up with a great copy. Well, now there's AI. Nobody's asking me for my great copy anymore. They're just typing it into a computer and letting artificial intelligence tell them, oh my gosh, my job has changed. My my personal life has changed. I, like this is the time people that you are sitting on the side of the road and the grass, a hot mess, not knowing where you are. And I want you to throw out a rope and let us help you go to learn to Sign up for free group coaching. It's right across the top in the menu. You cannot miss it. Please. If you do anything, it's no cost to you. Go sign up and become part of that community. If you start to feel brave, start talking in the community. Start sharing in the comments about how you've experienced things. Start hearing back that other people feel the very same way. It can be amazing to be like I was walking through that house and realize at this humbling time where I in my midlife don't know what's going on. I can walk around and look at a community of people that are like, hey, we're, we're going to pack. If what you think we should do right now is pack, we're going to pack. We're going to support you. We're going to be there for you. We promise. We don't know what the next step is for you either. You're just going to keep taking those next right steps. That's how this works. And you're not going to do it alone. That's the beauty. And you're going to create that bridge, that map in your brain that tells you when I hit my limit of resources on the inside of me. I bridge out to the outside of me and all of a sudden I expand internally even what I have resource for. And I re, you know, validate for myself that I can always go outside of myself to get that resource. All right. Now, I, I always give the caveat, this is not therapy. This is just a podcast by a clinical psychologist giving you information that's clinical psychology level. But if you are somebody that really is feeling desperate right now please, please find a therapist and get some therapy because it's tr- that's transcending too. It's another way that we bridge outside of ourselves. But you know, for some of us, it's a little bit rougher than it is for others. And if you feel like you're in that space, you're just in the hopeless, helpless spiral, and you don't see a way out, call and make an appointment for yourself. That's all I'm saying. You will not regret that you do that. I promise. All right, everybody. It's been so fun to talk to you today about one of my favorite stories ever. I love that story. It like changed my life. It changed my life and I'm hoping it's going to change yours. I'm hoping that I'm going to start to see your faces in our Facebook group and in our online community. Um, you know, Dropping comments, telling us how you've struggled. I want to see it. I want to hear it. I also am in those communities um, talking back and forth. So, you know, you might get a little personal touch from me if I see you drop some information and you're looking for some help with that. All right. So what I want you to know as this is the last week, I believe it's the last week in February. Maybe actually I'll be dropping another one in February because it lasts through next Monday and I drop these usually on Monday. I am going to be telling you about a brand new project that I've been working on and I want to include you in. I am so excited about this, right? I am going to help you in midlife change from like the midlife crisis side of things or the midlife dissatisfaction side of things into a centered life, thriving, I have created a 6 week package that there's just no way you won't come out the other end of that completely transcended, completely aligned in a new goal for yourself to design a life that you want to be living in that really makes sense and brings joy for you. So, so excited. That starts next week. I'll be dropping each week for the, you know, next 5 or 6 weeks information about what is going to be included in that package and you know later on you'll later in March mid-March you'll start to hear ways that you can register if that's something that interests you so all right everybody I am so excited to be able to tell you about that next week so make sure you watch for that podcast and keep coming back keep liking keep reviewing my podcast let's get it out there let's get more people help the way that they need it because we want to help people learn to love their stories.